you got your Bibles this morning, you will. Turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is my favorite passage of Scripture in the whole Bible. Uh, and I believe that Walt, Red, Tyrell, anybody in who's a, here who's a believer this morning, I say that about those three because I'm pretty sure about it, can find themselves in this in this passage here. Can find a picture of who they are here in this uh, in this uh, short little chapter in Second Samuel. It starts off. Uh, if you have headings in your Bible, it says David and Mephibosheth. Now, I had a Old Testament uh, professor, uh, Philip. You you knew uh, Dr. Freeman, and uh, Dr. Freeman said that uh, we asked him one time, "How do you know that that's how you say that?" You know. Mephibosheth, he said, well, when you're studying through a passage, you know you're going to preach on it that morning. He said, you just, you study that one, you say it, and say it, and say it, just like you want to say it, just like it sounds the best, rolling off your tongue. He said, you just stand up there, and you just say it like you believe that's it. And he said, most of the time, people are just going to believe that's how, how you're supposed to say it. He said, the good news is nobody's going to fuss with you because nobody was there when they, when they named Mephibosheth and could talk to his mama and ask her how to say it. So we're going to go with Mephibosheth this morning, but... Uh, uh, here we find David at a place in his life where he's pretty much done everything, okay? He, he's united uh, the, the kingdom. I mean, he's, he's at a time where he can kind of rest, you know, and he can look around. And we see him, uh, something he says here. It says, David asked, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, Jonathan was the prior king's son. And uh, Jonathan and David had uh, had made a pact with one another and had made a covenant with one another, a promise to one another years ago that they wouldn't do one another harm, that they would do one another good. And so Jonathan is dead here at this point. And, uh, and, and you know, David, he could be at a place right here where he is trying to, to find any of the king prior to him descendants and kill them. I mean, you're looking at a time in, in the world where David would have been justified to go out and find all of uh, Jonathan's kinfolk, all of Saul's kinfolk and kill them because they wouldn't come and, and reclaim the throne. But but David is doing something different here. And I believe because in this passage we see David as a type of Christ. And he says, uh, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake to honor that promise that he made with him? And, and so they say there was a servant of Saul's house named Ziba. They called him to appear before King David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Now, you might just read that. You know, I've read that several times, and I thought, well, it's, it's not a big deal. He switched up at, at first. At the first verse, he said, can I, can I show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And then in verse 3, he said, can I show God's kindness? I just want to make a little, a little statement here. Anything good in this world, you trace it down. Anything that we can say uh, is good, okay? I think we can all say amen that kindness is a good thing. It can be traced to God, okay? I know in my own life, I look at the things that are good, friendships like I have with Tyrell. You know what? That's a gift from God. That's a good thing. Uh, my wife, she's not here this morning. But, hey, the relationship that we share, marriage, that's, that's God. God give us that. That's a good thing. My daughter's here this morning. Hey, uh, that's a Wonderful relationship, you know. Uh, God give us those things. So, so David is just basically saying here, you know, he's getting it down to the to the point of the matter. Is I, I want to show kindness for God's sake, and uh, 
So Ziba answered the king and said, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled. He is crippled in both feet. Uh, now, this, you're looking at a time in the world where, you know, young, well, I'll tell you a little story about this young man. Uh, the day that they heard about his uh, grandfather dying, he was born and they rushed and his dad died on the same day. Uh, a servant in the house picked him up, scooped him up, and they were leaving because they were afraid since the king had died that somebody would come and, and kill them. And she dropped this, dropped this little baby, dropped him on his, on his feet, and it, and it crippled him. So his whole life he's been crippled in, in both feet. And uh, David asked, where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. So, so just, just uh, take your mind off that for a second. Uh, you think about this little, this little boy. He's crippled in both feet. He's lost his granddaddy who was king. He's lost his daddy. Never knew either one of them really. All he's ever been grown up in a culture where, where he was crippled. Uh, maybe there were some remnants in his family or some money or something that his granddaddy or his son had. But pretty much the, the, the guy had to do without because he... He lived in a time when there was no Social Security disability, okay? I used to think, well, maybe maybe this guy's married somebody and she's helped taking care of him. Well, it wasn't that easy to catch a woman, you know. Uh, it's tough enough for me to catch a woman today uh, to catch my wife. But you think about a young man in this time who was crippled in both his feet. I mean, he, he had nothing to offer a woman. And you're talking about a culture where a woman just couldn't go to work and support a family. So you're looking at a guy who was desperate destitute. He, he had nothing, okay? I got to assume he was crippled, crippled most of his life, maybe even begged, you know? Uh, you know what? That is the picture of Red in this story. That, that is the picture, I believe, of Tyrell in this story and Walt and I could go around a few more here. I know that, that, that know the Lord. And, and why do I say that I know that was them? If you have come to the Lord and in a real relationship with him, you had to know what you brought to the table. And I'm going to tell you, the best you could offer was to be crippled in both feet. And so Mephibosheth is crippled in both his feet. And here he is uh, in a place that says he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now, Lodabar means a place of no pasture, okay? That means a destitute place. Not only, and I, I talk about Tyrell and myself, and, but, but, but men who come to crossover, women who come to crossover, that, that's where I want them. You see, I go out every six months and we put together a new class of men and women who are coming to cross over. And one thing I want to look for in, in men and women are those who are spiritually bankrupt, okay? Crippled spiritually in both their feet, who, who bring nothing to the table, all right? I, I often say not just spiritually bankrupt, but most of the time you need to be monetarily, uh, economically bankrupt too because most addicts, if they have some money left, you know, I can't help them, <laughs> you know, because all they can think about is the money they have or, they need to go out and spend in on, on some more drugs before they really are at a place where I can help them. But, hey, I, I want men and women at a place where I, why, why do I want them in a place like You say, Red, you're, you're kind of an evil guy. You want, you want people spiritually bankrupt? I want you there because that's where God can deal with you. I mean, today, maybe you've been a believer for 20 years sitting in church. You, you know what? You still need, need to realize who you are outside of Christ. You know what? The best we can come is crippled in both our feet. Okay? I mean, we, we, we don't offer God much uh, uh, of ourselves. And uh, you're at a place of low to bar, a place of no pasture. I mean, you're just in a place that, that you're destitute. And so in verse 6 it says, uh, When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Man, that's, that's, that's a key thing. Okay? 
usually when I find a man or a woman who is spiritually bankrupt and they're at a place where they have no pastor and they have, they have nothing, man, when I introduce them to the king, and that's my job. If you're a believer out there today, that's your job with lost people, okay? You, you want to introduce them to the king. And my hopes and what usually happens when you take somebody who's in that condition and you introduce them to the king, you know what their first reaction is? They bow down. That, that's a pretty awesome thing to, to see that. It says, he bowed down to him, pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. So not only is he just bowing down to him and, and just going through the motions, but he's saying the right things too. What's he say? Your servant, you know. Hey, there's a lesson we can learn from this. If you really want to come to God on his terms, You've got to bow down to him, okay? Hey, you've got to say the right things too, okay? You've got to, you've got to realize that you're, you're not as equal, okay? I mean, hey, in my addiction, I've been to that place where I, I wouldn't bow down to anybody, you know? I, to, the, to the king of heaven and earth, I wouldn't bow down to him. Now, you will one day, okay? I, I pray you do it willingly today. But he said, your servant. And the first thing David said to him, this is another reason right here I say David is a type of Jesus in this passage of Scripture. What's he say to him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore, man, that's a strange word. I have it underlined in my Bible. Restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. I don't know if you... Mark up in your Bibles. I don't know if you got your Bible open. I don't even know if you got your pen out. But man, I would encourage you to go home and you, if you don't today and underline that you will always eat at my table. Uh, you know, David says, and, and over and over and over in the New Testament, every time, every time somebody is is confronted with who God is, when there's some sort of theophany and people see who God is and get a vision of God or Jesus, their first reaction is to be scared. And then what's God's reaction? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I tell you today, y'all, that fires me up that I am a son of the king and I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be fearful. I belong to him. I belong to him and he tells us, don't be afraid. But now I told you to underline, you will always eat at my table. And we live in the south and I see some men out here like Ty and myself. Even Walt at times, his belly gets a little bigger and a little smaller. He, he does good at controlling his, but hey, uh, I love to eat. Can I get an amen on that? I see some of you men. Ted? Ted, you love to eat. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, don't be quiet. <laughs> I would call you Dr. Watson. I used to call him that, and he told me to stop it. So uh, uh, we, we like to eat, you know. And, 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 it said, and, and listen, God could have made us in such a way that we eat some bland stuff in a tube all our life. You know, I mean, it could have been just manna forever, you know, manna forever. But God, I believe this with, with, with all of my being, that God made food and he made it beautiful, okay? He made it taste good. I mean, I, I tell you, I've been, Walt and I went on a mission trip to uh, Mexico City together. That's one thing you got to be careful, Walt, about those little places you eat on the sidewalks down there, okay? Uh, when the flies are lighting on the meat, when they cut it off the thing, you know, you might, might want to stay away from that. But not, when we eat in people's homes down there, there's one thing about the food there, it was it may light you up and be super hot, but it was pretty. You know what I mean? I mean, hey, you look at Thanksgiving's coming up on us here. What do we do at Thanksgiving? We dress our table up. We make it look pretty. God is, I believe, God is in that. God is in that. And he says here, he tells this guy, one way he can be good to him is that you can, 
eat at my table always, continually. I think the King James Version says, you shall eat at my table continually. It says in verse 8, Mephibosheth, what did he do again? He bowed down and he said, what is your servant that you should notice? A dead dog right there. Now listen, he's not just going through the motions and the lip service. He knows exactly who he is before a holy king. He knows exactly who he is before David here. And like I said, David is just showing us uh, what it's like to be like Jesus here. Hey, that's what we offer God. We come to the table. If you come to the table thinking that you brought something to help God save you, I want, I want you to go back and check what happened at the cross because that's not what happens at the cross. You come broken. You come bowing down. You come acknowledging God for who he is and acknowledging him for what he says about you. You see, one of the first lessons we teach men and women at crossover is who who is God? You say, well, we all know who God is. A lot of times those men come and say, oh, I know who God is. My granny told me when I was a kid, God is this, God is that. Well, we take the Bible and open it up and show you who God is. Because, well, we hate to say this sometimes to a guy because he holds his granny in high regard. But if granny taught you something about God, it's not in here. Guess what? It's not the God that saves. It's not the God uh, of the Bible. And so we teach them who is God. We teach them who is Jesus. Then we teach them a lesson that says, who am I? I think one of Walt's first classes at Crossovers, when he teaches, is basically the same thing. Who are you? Who am I? And hey, if it doesn't match up with this right here, guess what? You don't even know who you are. All right? You don't know who you are. And the Bible says some things about us. And for us to approach God, we have to know that you may not want to say it, that I'm a dead dog. You know, maybe you want to say that we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's a good one. But remember this. That's not an excuse to live any way you want to. When Paul wrote that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he wrote it as an indictment against mankind, okay? So we're all sinners. And Mephibosheth understood that about himself. And that's why I see myself here in Mephibosheth in this passage of Scripture. It said, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? And then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant. Uh, and he said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will do what? Always eat at my table. Always eat at my table. That's two times. Say two times. Y'all don't listen that well. Say two times. That's two times, okay? Two times here. And it says here, now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And so what did David do? David just made all of these men and all of his servants servants of another. That is just a small picture of what God does for you when he saves you. Of what, of what he done through Christ when he restored what, what you had before. I said a while ago that word restored. You're thinking there, well, Mephibosheth never really had anything, right? He was born crippled. No, no, he had descendants before him and before him and before him. And if you'll look at your life as a believer, even as a non-believer, all the way back to Adam and Eve, we can trace our lineage. God restores what, what went missing in, in the garden, okay? He, he done that through his son. You see, we had fellowship with God. It said God walked with us in the cool of the day, walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Listen, there's a time coming. And we will spend eternity 
if you believe and if you trust and if you realize these things about yourself and trust Jesus is who he says he is and he died on your behalf, one day you will spend an eternity with him. And it will be not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo in the sky now, okay? All right? It's going to be a physical resurrection in a real world, something somewhat similar, I believe, to the one in the beginning where God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That is the restoration. That's the restoration I was looking for. As a drug addict, I was doing drugs and living this life and doing these various things. If you look back at your life, maybe you weren't as bad as Red or maybe you weren't as bad as Tyrell, but, but, but you had the same potential to be as bad as us because you were looking for something to fulfill you. You were looking to be restored, and God has provided that restoration through his son. And we see a picture of it here. Two times he says, you will always eat at my table, okay? And he restored him. Verse 11 says, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Three times. I ain't going to ask you to say it, but three times, okay? Three times. Like one of the king's sons. Let me tell you something. You're no longer a servant. You're a son of the king if you follow the king, okay? You're a son of the king if you belong to him. You see, sometimes I think that's where people who've sat on pews for so long kind of get it messed up. We think, well, I need to work for this now. You know what I mean? I, oh God, I got this. I brought this a little bit. I've done, I done this. And we get so caught up in trying to, to be a servant, we forget that we're a king. We're a son of the king. Now, we do serve and we serve other people, but we serve them from the, as a king's son, okay? Uh, in verse 12 said, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because, why? Four times. Say four times. He always ate at the king's table. And now I don't think it's a strange thing that uh, that last verse, verse 13, if y'all show that one up before me, I didn't tell you to put that one in there, did I? I told you just verse 12 through 13. Anyway. If you don't have your Bibles with you, shame on you. But the very last verse there says, He always ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both feet. I mean, that chapter ends by saying he was crippled in both feet. Now, I don't know if there's any significance to this or not. But a young man that's crippled at both feet, when he slides up to the table, what can't he see anymore? He can't see his feet, okay? I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know if you've been a believer. Uh, I don't know how long. You may not be a believer this morning, all right? You may not know uh, the king. Uh, I, I will have a time of invitation, I believe, in a minute, and, and that will be a great time. And if you want to find me or some, some man in this church that can share with you how to become a child of the king, we will do that, okay? But if you've been a believer in here this morning for a while, sometimes we kind of we push ourselves away from the table. And when we push ourselves away from the table, I tell you what we're doing. We're getting out there under our own power, okay? But, and when we get out I know Red. When Red gets out there operating under his own power, it, it doesn't take long at all for me to remember that I'm crippled in both my feet because my life, even though I've been following Christ for 18 or 19 years, it will be a train wreck, a train wreck. Now, Walt, that's why I was so honored and scared when he said a while ago, look at Red and you'll see Jesus at work now some. Yeah, sometimes you see him at work trying to get me straightened out, you know, because, hey, as a pastor and, uh, and director at Crossover, sometimes there's so much uh, busyness is going on in life, and your life probably is a lot like mine. Who can say they were busy this past week? Yeah. Sometimes in all that busyness, man, we forget 
that we, uh, we belong to the king, and we need to slide it to the table a little bit closer. That way we're not reminded of our own uh, lameness. How about that? I appreciate you once again. I just come to you and share with you this morning and let you know that, that this, this, you know, recognizing men and women, recognizing who they are and, and what drugs have done to their life and, and, and hopefully that they accept Christ on, on his terms and, uh, and, and their lives are changed and they go out in this community and they, and, and they live a different life. You, here at Bethany, have a hand in that, okay? I mean, y'all took up offering a while ago, and, I, and I'm sure we'll get a check within a few weeks, and some of that money will be in that check that y'all give us. And it is huge that y'all do that. Crossovers probably cost thirty to $35,000 a month to operate. And, uh, and you guys, uh, you, you guys, y'all, y'all help make that happen. And I want to tell you this morning, uh, encourage you that, that, that what you've done at Crossover has helped me uh, and get my life. What you've done at Crossover has helped Help Tyrell. It's helped Michael. Michael's a staff member there with us this morning too. Uh, I, I I don't know if uh, anybody else is in here is uh, a crossover person. If you are and I miss you, I'm sorry. But hey, you have helped countless people in this community get their lives right and know Jesus for who He is. My goal this morning is for you to know Jesus for who He is and know Him in an even greater way this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your love. Thank you, dear God, this morning for your word. Lord, that we can open it, and dear God, we can see these stories, Lord, that that uh, written uh, thousands of years ago, Lord. And the, the world says that this book is a relic, Lord. This book is archaic, and why do we even why do we even look at it and use it? But Lord, we know that uh, I see myself in these in these pages. I see you in, in David, and Lord, we see we see you for who you truly are, and we can know the character of God. And, Lord, when we see you as faithful, as my brother Tyrell said earlier, uh, Lord, we understand, dear God, that you're faithful, that you never leave us, dear God, that you, you want the very best for us in life. Lord, that helps us to accept you for who you are, dear God. Lord, I pray this morning for anybody here who doesn't know you. Lord, this morning would be a morning where you would pierce their hearts, dear God, to want to know you. Oh, Lord, maybe, maybe somebody's here this morning and they've slid away from the table, dear God. Maybe they've known you for 20 years. Maybe they've known you for 30 years, Lord, and, and, and the busyness of life just has beat them down this week. Maybe this morning is a morning they want to repent, dear God, and, and belly up to the table, so to speak, and, 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 and know you in a greater way. The great news this morning, Lord, is that uh, in both cases, Lord, what it takes is repentance. So grant us that this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen feet and let's respond the way God wants us to respond praying at these steps if you want to know more about Jesus be told about that let's sing Lord Jesus I long to be perfectly whole I walk before ever to ransom my soul Break down every idol, out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be wild.
Now wash me 